I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything, yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's, it's so real to this day. I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? (laughs) We did it guys. One that came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. This episode of Spaces Podcast is supported by Twin Motion, the simple real-time rendering solution to create high-quality imagery, client presentations, and interactive experiences that help communicate your design ideas fast. Hello, my name is Demetrius. This is Jason. Morning. And you are listening to Spaces Podcast Express. Thank you for coming back, everybody. Jason is on the road right now. Driving. Yeah, <laughs> so multitasking. Um, Jason, we spoke last in our last episode about sort of planning ahead and discussing kind of how in the industry tend to lack in that area of planning ahead and understanding kind of how you can improve your company and look at opportunities, maybe at points taking a little bit less to set yourself up to to get more later. Sure. And uh, we talked big picture a lot in that episode but I wanted to come back and touch on it a little bit in more detail to hopefully leave Anybody that's in this position, uh, similar to me, uh, leave them with some thoughts about actionable items that they could take on. And I came across this one article in Entrepreneur Magazine. Uh, A lot of people probably follow along with this. Um, This one's by Rob Biederman, and he talks about the seven key steps to a growth strategy that works immediately. Um, so hopefully some of these items, um, huh. I'm interested in what Rob has to say yeah. <laughs> in my mind. I mean, these are actionable items that you can, that I know I will be 
uh, towards the end of this year, sort of reevaluating my practice and, and businesses going through the process similar to this with one of them. But um, these are some things to, to think about. So I guess we can just kind of go one by one and just hash through them a little bit. The first one is establish a value proposition. Okay. So with that, Rob talks about understanding what sets your business apart from others, from, from their, your competition. Right. Whatever it is that you do different, and, and this can be a little bit difficult to find out. So sometimes people suggest even asking your clientele, what is it exactly that made you come to me or keep coming back to me or whatever that case is to figure out what that, that thing is that makes you a little bit different. And sometimes right. it's, it's very hard to understand because it's not necessarily super tangible per se of like price or speed or anything. Maybe it's just your personality and trying yep. to identify exactly what that is and then taking that and focusing in on that. Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing is, you know, your value proposition or why you got into business. Like that's the number one reason. If you, if you didn't really know what those things were, you're going to be kind of lost anyways. Right. So that's kind of, that's kind of the obvious square one. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it makes sense. And then as you get, I think as you go further and further down the road, you start to find out what it is you, that really sets you apart. And that will change with market conditions too. Like we see in the businesses that we're in, you know what I mean? Like, what we offered and what we did five years ago and how we reviewed is different than what we offered and how we reviewed we're viewed now. You know what I mean? As far as what may separate you from, you know, the rest type of deal. So you need to constantly evaluate that and make sure you, you never forget that. Cause that's the most important part of business. If you want to sell something, yeah. you have to have something that the market wants and what is it that, that does differentiate you from that. So totally. Yeah. Number two was identify your ideal customer. This can be easy, but hard to uh, find them. And what Rob says is you got into business to solve a problem for a certain audience. Right. Uh, who is that audience? Right. And I think most of us know kind of who we want to do our work for. But like I said, it, it's very hard to find them sometimes. You have to kind of find the watering hole. I've heard it <laughs> suggested before. So do they frequently look at certain magazines? Do they use Instagram a lot? Do they participate in a certain hobby? Should you go and get a membership with whatever that hobby is so you're around them? Um, those are the kind of things that will put you in front of your ideal customer. Right. Uh, so the easy part is identifying them, but the hard part is finding out where they are. Right. Agreed. No, I agree. And I think that's one of the, the benefits these days of social media that we have the ability to utilize that nobody did You know, years past. It's such a weapon. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you really, because people are feeling, well, whether we like it or not, you're, you're being recorded on what the things are that you like and you appreciate and, and you frequent. And that, that information is readily available if you're willing to, you know, somewhat pay for it. Right. So I think mm -hmm. that's an easier thing nowadays than it's ever been from a perspective of targeting an audience. If, you know, once you, once you determine, I want to go after these type of people with this type of interest, that information is so available now. And like, it used to be all through focus groups and all that kind of stuff, you know? And mm -hmm. you don't have to do that anymore. Kind of like when you're talking to somebody about camping gear and all of a sudden, you know, an ad pops up on Facebook or Instagram the next, you know, <laughs> five minutes later for camping stuff, you know, like it's just, it's there. You kind of touched on one thing that is worth mentioning. Social media can be very useful, 
but it can also harm you because people can see everything about what you like and comment and everything. So you have to be very aware of that as well, of how you're presented through social media, if that goes against who your ideal customer is. You know, it's an interesting topic, especially given today's current environment, right? Where it seems like, I think what you're saying is depending on what you put out there, you might limit your audience, right? Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's certainly true. You know what I mean? Because these days people want to pick apart what they think is right or what they think is wrong and, and all those kind of things. But, you know, at the same point too, you want to be real. You know what I mean? Like people want authenticity and at least that's my mm-hmm. opinion. And so if you go out and, you know, whether it's a pro-life debate or whatever, you know, um, that, that kind of thing, like it's, it's people want to see individuals these days take a stand so they know what they're dealing with. I think in a lot of situations like those, they'll, they'll at least respect you for being honest and real mm-hmm. and not kind of look at you later on like, well, wait a minute, you said this, but I see you doing this or, you know, you know like, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's a really, that's probably a topic that would be very interesting to dive into somehow because you see a lot of polarizing topics these days, but yet you see people try to play the middle and it's almost like a lot of times they lose out. Um, because they're doing that. So are you willing to sacrifice maybe a few for, you know, maybe the many or, or however that would go. But yeah, I mean, every time you, you know, as a business owner or whatever, every time you choose a side on something or say you like this over that, or I'm a Coke person over a Pepsi person or whatever, you know, you're going to, you're going to lose out on stuff, right? Like that's just the way it is. Yeah. And it's, and it's all, I mean, you know, just the same as we said, like you can really narrow your market down. It's all out there these days. Yeah. Let's go number three, define your key indicators. These are items that you can measure, basically. Uh, whatever it is, if it's um, if it's just purely money, if it's the time it takes to turn something, whatever your product or service is around, you have to understand what those items are and how to become efficient at them, what is slowing you down, just understanding every aspect of whatever those key indicators are that are running your business. I'm not sure I understand what they're pointing out with that. So like how long it takes you you guys to, to create a cabinet, that's going to be a pinch point on your business. If it takes, if it takes them uh, six hours one day, and 12 hours another day you have to understand everything about it of why it's taking so long one day or shorter one day so that you can maximize your efficiency with that one and understand how to improve it because that's a part of your business that's going to either hinder or help it you know what i mean yeah okay so i mean basically understanding your business metrics and your business plan right is that what we're saying correct like how you're going to bring product to market and, and what that i mean if that's what we're saying i get it yeah, if it's time, if it's uh, man hours or people hours um, <laughs> or or anything like that, those are the things. See, like, that a, you... like a comment like that, you just lost the whole female crowd. Is that why you, <laughs> you moved that fast right there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, number four, uh, verify your revenue streams. Now, this one, we were just recently doing this for Gable Media basically this concept of understanding every possible way that you can make money and making sure that they actually work and are real, not just (laughs) assumptions. Have you guys had to 
or looked at, at your revenue streams or is it sort of just one, one thing? No, I think you, you always have to identify. I mean, to me, what that basically means is you got to identify opportunities. Yes. Right. So if you're, if you're looking to identify opportunities, you know, as you, you know, as you start with a widget, right. You start with one product and how you're going to bring that to the market and you see what the market does with that. And then you take that and say, okay, how can we expand on this product? What other options do we have? What other markets are there? Or is there other alternatives or um, accoutrements that we can add to this to then create another market? You know, like those kind of things. Like, I think that's, I mean, you're, you're, you're evaluating that. You should be evaluating that all the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That doesn't mean you want to pivot and go from, I create bathtubs to all of a sudden, okay, I'm going to build a house. You know what I mean? But it could be, you know, we create bathtubs to maybe we, now we want to charge to install the bathtubs, or maybe now we want to work on the hardware that goes along with it, or, you know, all those other kind of things or a fastening system that's better or whatever that might be. You know, I think you should be looking at, in my opinion, you should be evaluating that all the time. You know, what other things can you bolt on to make that work and, and, and test the market and ask those customers at that point, Hey, that's where I think that comes in and you say, Hey, would you, would you like this from us as well? You know what I mean? Would this be helpful to you? Oh yeah, that'd be great. Okay. Well, what are you paying for it now? You know, like those kind of things and, and see what you can do. I think that's always an involvement in the process that should be considered. Yeah. Always. Rob says some great ideas or cool products don't necessarily have revenue streams attached. Be careful to isolate and understand the difference. So yeah. making sure, yeah, not everybody wants you to just jump from, making a cool bathtub to a building an entire house. Exactly. So make sure that it's uh has an actual revenue to it and that your numbers and your experience can work to support it. Yep. For sure. I mean, you want to, you want to, you want to do something that's of like scenario. Yeah. Right. That, that makes sense that people can at least draw a conclusion like, Oh yeah. Like that. If, if they already supply that, what, why wouldn't I do this with that? You know what I mean? It's, it, it makes sense. We're going to take a quick break to share a little bit more about our sponsors. Let's talk ArcViz technology. Powered by the near limitless Unreal Engine, our friends at Twinmotion offer a fast and easy way to produce stunning real-time visualizations and immersive experiences for your clients. Twinmotion gives you the tools you need to make faster decisions and relay information to your clients in a way that instantly speaks to them. Breathe life into your scene by changing the season, the weather, the time of day, just by moving a slider, immersing your client in a way that they'll love, and more importantly, be able to truly picture themselves in. Why not share your design with stakeholders in collaborative reviews and edit your scene together? There's no better way to get buy-in than by making your clients feel part of the development process. Right now, they're running an exclusive free trial which you can head to twinmotion.link slash spaces to get your hands on. That's twinmotion.link slash spaces. Uh, number five was look to your competition. Pretty straightforward. Um, the funny thing about this is that a lot of people feel that uh, they want to do it on their own and they don't, uh, you know, there's, there's this image of uh, Michael Phelps swimming and the guy next to him is looking yep. at him while yep. Michael Phelps is focused on his thing. Yep. In the moment, yes, that's a good idea to focus on you, but you also do need to be aware of what other people are doing because they may have cracked the code. And if you can jump on that quickly and see what they're doing, 
maybe your experiences will help accelerate whatever they whatever breakthrough that they had uh, will accelerate the outcome, the output of that. So you do need to be aware of what others are doing while at the same time knowing when to focus on your own uh, business. You know, you know, what's funny. Um, I have very mixed feelings about that topic. Okay. Um, I think the term aware is proper, Yeah. but I think the, the intensity or the level at which people apply the term aware can be very different. Mm. And I would say your awareness, I would, based off of listening just to you talk about it, D, mm-hmm. I think your level of awareness or your intense intensity of awareness would be far different from mine. Mm. So I'm aware of who's in the market. I do, you know, for me, I spend zero time paying attention to what our competition does. <laughs> zero. Um, I don't really care what they do. I listen to what the market tells me. You know what I mean? So by that, I think I become aware of what our competitors are doing, but I'm listening to the customers out there that have worked with them or have done whatever, and they will tell me everything I need to know about that customer. <laughs> and generally, if they're already talking to me, they're probably not super happy with what that other competition is doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm not saying this is the right way by any means, but I, I feel in my belief, people spend far too much time paying attention to what their competition is doing and worrying about what their competition is doing, as opposed to focusing on the metrics they need to hit, the efficiencies they need to do and plugging up their own damn gaps. <laughs> That's how I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't go you know, across the board in every single market and every single product type and service type. But I see a lot of very quizzical expressions when I go into a room and we're talking about things like, you know, what's your competition doing? And I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, and they, and they kind of look at me like, seriously, I'm like, I don't pay attention to what they're doing. I got so much I got to do myself, you know what I mean? And so many goals that I've set ahead that make sense for us that I believe based off of like we talked about earlier, what the market needs, that I'm going to press those things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not at all int- like if, if I thought it was a good idea for the most part, I probably would have pivoted that way already, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe that means I'm just not aware of an idea and I could see it from somebody else and go, Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But I also really honestly, is, is at least in a service product environment, I don't, I don't want to be on the leading edge either. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't necessarily love that position because it's not a technology based idea. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I think it works for some people. You know, I've heard a lot of really successful guys say like, look, find out what the competition's doing and just copy them. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, it's not wrong, right? I mean, it's, 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 it's obviously a proven business plan, but um, I, like, I like the uniqueness of going to a customer and saying, here's what we do. And I know it's different because X, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, and that type of deal. So it's, it's, that's, I think, the great journey of entrepreneurship or, or you know, running a business or whatever you get to kind of do it how you see fit. Right. And mm-hmm. there's no one way, but I, like I said, I'm, I'm, I think I'm definitely on the minor portion of, of that discussion with people that it's like, I, I literally pay no attention to what the competition is doing. I just don't. That's funny. We have to uh, reevaluate this part of the conversation in another way too, because I've heard recently that um, there are different ways that the brain processes information and, and you make decisions uh, sure. that comes down to a chemical aspect of whether you have cert- a certain level of dopamine or serotonin, whatever it is. And it goes all the way down to politics too. Yeah. So this is super fascinating, but we'll have to come back to that. We did. Totally should. Like I said, I know I'm in the minority on that too. And that's, and that's okay. You know, like the, uh, but at this point I haven't been proven wrong. You yeah. know what I mean? At least in what I deal with so far. So 
it's hard to get me to look differently at it. Yeah. So to the specific point, I think the the way that you said it of um, sort of level of awareness is a yeah. great point because I think there's like I was kind of saying, I think you toggle between the two. You have moments throughout the year, let's say you're the Michael Phelps focus on what you're doing. But I yeah. think towards the end of the year, kind of where we were alluding to in our previous conversation, I think you do need to have that planning part where you do yeah. kind of look at the landscape of things and see what certain people are doing with all of your knowledge of uh, metrics and your own systems and kind of yep. see what other things are out there just to have an understanding. And then you can sort of recalibrate uh, within your framework maybe certain things make sense and you can connect those dots and you jump ahead rather than waiting for the client to come yep. and tell you you're already ahead of the client and you can fold that into your system. So when they come to you and they say that they had that problem, you're like, we already got it taken care of. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, the other thing I would, I would probably reframe a little bit and I could step back as we're talking about it and say, you know, where I did pay attention to what the competition is doing mm -hmm. is at the very beginning of a launch of a business. Mm -hmm. So meaning, you know, that goes back to your market study. And I don't remember what this, this guy who wrote it talked about, but it's like, look, where are the gaps? So you would go and you would look at the competition and, I would, and uh, Malcolm Gladwell, who's one of my favorite authors, he wrote a book called um, David and Goliath. Uh -huh. And it talked about, uh, it was a great book. And actually all of his stuff, except the last one that he released <laughs> is like, I, I love, I hated the last one talking with strangers. I just, I'm not into it. But anyway, um, reading that book, when we started this, the other business that we, that, that, uh, you know, that I got to run and build and whatever, it helped me identify what the competition was doing and see gaps in what they were doing and how I could better attack them. If that makes sense. So I would even say, you know, once, once you're entering a market, understanding what that, what your hopeful competition is. And I mean, hopeful because you're going to enter that market, yeah. um, does so that maybe you can identify ways to provide a, a different, service based off of the market study and market information you have about what the client wants going back to number two and three or whatever that was. Mm -hmm. But then from there, once you figure out what that is, I think it's on you. And then I probably would pay very less attention to what our, our competition does. Yeah. Uh, six focus on your strengths. Uh, very, very, I hate, I hate reading stuff like this. Like these guys are just idiots. Like obviously, you know what I mean? Like, come on. I mean, <laughs> Like, like, okay, identify what you need to bring to market. That's going to be successful. Yeah. No, shit, you know what I mean? And then like focus on your strengths. You think, you know I mean? Like, yeah. Complex, yeah. You know, like, so, holy cow. So that's, Next. that's pretty straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> and then this is also uh, straightforward, but not everybody follows this. Uh, number seven was invest in talent. So this yeah. kind of goes back to what we were saying of, uh, in our previous conversation is being willing to, sort of take a step back. Um, you may be getting paid less yourself, but to yeah. bring someone in and then you can hopefully get paid more later if you, if everything goes well. You know, and, and not only that, I think the way you got to look at it, like, you know, uh, I love watching my whole family will watch shark tank. Mm -hmm. Right. And really the reason why I like doing it is because I like to see how the kids brains work and, you know, ask them questions as we're going through these things. And especially when it gets down into like, these companies that are somewhat fledgling, like they don't have the intellectual capital in certain areas to really move their company forward. And they're, you know, selling a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, which is nothing to sneeze at. Good for you. 
but then a shark wants a piece of it and they're like look we can take it to xx and x but i want 50 percent of the company and these people are like i'm not giving you 50 percent of the company i'm like bro just by signing a deal you're gonna get a 10 million dollar company which now you're gonna have 5 million as opposed to 100 percent of 200,000. you know what i mean yeah. like it's it's these little, and I think just those little things, it's like, I mean, even 70, you know, 25% of 10, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just those little things that they need to look at and understand that it's like, look, we all have strengths to that guy's point in six and we all have weaknesses or blind sides and you need to plug those holes. Yeah. You know, you cannot do it all. You are not the best at everything. And I know that sucks for some people that are very hard-minded like myself but look i've learned that along the way and other people need to learn it better there's better people at certain things there's creative people there's engineer type people there's you know whatever it is and some can maybe go from one side to the other but you're stronger on one side than the other so go find somebody else that's stronger on the opposite side but can still have a conversation with you on the other side of it because you're going to go to bigger and, and further heights by doing that. And to your point, like we talked about last time, that means you're probably gonna have to spend a little money or give up something to do that. Mm -hmm. If you have the proper vision, if you have the proper market, and if you know what your customers want, it'll work itself out in the end. And ultimately, here's what people don't talk about. You're now going to spend more time and more effort in teaching that person as well yeah. and paying them to get them on board. So it's not just the money. They're not going to come in and be running, but you got to train them too. Yeah. So there's that whole, you know, effort capital portion of a time capital that goes along with the actual money. Right. Yeah. For the entrepreneurs and stuff. So, so it, I think that's a good point to, to emphasize is when you get to that point of investing into talent, you have to make a, a decision at that point of what's more yes. important. Do you just need another body to handle certain tasks and you have yes. the time to train or do you need someone to come in that can hit the ground running and just take a load off so you can put your time towards something else? So you need yes. to understand what point that you're at uh, in order to make that correct because that's a decision, an important one uh, when you bring someone in is what type of person you need. Yeah, you're absolutely you're a hundred percent correct, buddy. I agree with you the whole way through on that. Yeah. All right. Uh, so that's the list again. This is from uh, Rob Biederman. Seven key steps to a growth strategy that works immediately. And this is on Entrepreneur Magazine. I pulled it can, from the can website. I, can, I, can I throw something out? Yeah. For those of you that are like considering starting a business, if that is new information to you, or <laughs> Like you can't think of those at least three or four of those things. Cause I would toss out a few others cause they're kind of just like continuations. Uh -huh. You need to reevaluate what you're doing. <laughs> Go work for Demetrius instead. Like, <laughs> I don't want to discourage, but you shouldn't have to, you should not be entering a business, not already knowing what these types of things are that are necessary. Like at a basic level, you got to know what the hell you're going to try to bring to market. You shouldn't be sitting, you know, you got to know what your market actually is and what your plan would be to grow it. Like those, you need to know those things before you go. The rest of the stuff, how you add people, get a bookkeeper, do this and that, whatever, fine. Those are all accoutrements that you can add. And accessories, you can add accessories later. But if you can't sell the first thing, the accessory doesn't freaking matter. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it really boil, I would almost boil that, those seven steps down to three or four at max um in in my opinion but you know it's i laugh because when you're when you're talking about these things i'm like man like if people are trying to start a business and they can't answer these things or didn't already know these things they're in trouble yeah <laughs> you know? well i will say that i think once you start the business some of these things present themselves along the way sure. uh you don't fully understand 
you know what yes. what it, what your differentiator is at the very beginning you may have an idea but after a couple of years you get a concrete idea so i think yes. uh you do need to look at this this is sort of that planning process of taking a step back and reevaluating these things which i think are valuable um as you start to plan your next steps of growing yeah i think i think that's totally fair so totally fair all right so jason <laughs> so uh thank you for joining me jason thank you to the listeners for listening we will talk again next week thanks thanks again for listening don't forget to check out our sponsors by checking them out and supporting them you help us keep this show going thank you to twin motion for their support of this podcast episode don't forget to visit twinmotion.link slash spaces today and try Twinmotion for free. Spaces is part of the Gable Media Network. You can check out similar content at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. If you enjoy our show, you can support us in three simple ways for free. You can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on your podcast app if it allows you to. Tell a friend and follow us on social media. Thanks for spending time with us. Talk soon. Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host Patrick McLaney, FAIA former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise. From 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm.